writing is an adventure and it's an epic journey, you know, writing a book. I mean, I was talking earlier about your career, but like really each book itself is the journey of the book. Like the journey of the writer writing the book is a hero's quest and, and it changes the writer. You, you have to step up and become a different human, a different writer, a different spirit in order to finish a book. And the book challenges you to become that person, that writer. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Daniel Jose Older is an EMT turned novelist and comic book writer from the NYC who is known for his series like The Shadow Shaper Cipher and The Bone Street Rumba series. He's also known for his Star Wars works like the Han Lando novel, Last Shot, and the High Republic Adventures comic series. He is also a mastermind at building deep lore and legacy in his stories that integrates culture and lovable characters into themes that is unparalleled when it comes to touching the hearts of his readers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV, and today I have another guest with me, Mr. DJ Older. What's going on? How's it going, man? Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Glad, glad to have you on. Glad to have you on. I, I, I'll talk to uh, to Daniel. Uh, really, how you prefer on the podcast, Daniel Jose Older or DJ Older? Uh, Daniel's mine. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, I've talked. I've talked uh, back and forth a little bit on on the internet for for a little while, a couple of years at least. Um, uh, and I and I've, re- I've read through you know books like Shadow Shaper, which I love. You know. Of course, I've read I've read the Star Wars joints, you know. Thank I mean, get, love the dobacks, love <laughs> love love the Han and uh love the Han and Lando story. We'll probably get into that a little bit too. Uh, but uh, but as always, uh, we like we like to break down the technical aspects of writing. We like to get into the the ins and outs of how you do this thing. So so many times we get on, and um, you know, people tell you to go out there and write, and and, and I mean, there's always that question, but how though? You know, like, how do we, like, how do you actually accomplish, like, you know, it's not, it's not quite as simple as yeah. it's opening a, I mean, well, it is in some ways, it's right. as simple as opening a Word document, but we all know that there's a lot more that goes into producing a book that, uh, that can, that can touch other people and, and other people can resonate with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I like to start off to usually with like how, how you like to get into, uh, the mindset, the mood the mode for writing, like what, what's kind of your practice, uh, you know, to, to kind of, to kind of get into the rhythm. Sure. Uh, it's a a good question because it really does matter. You know, I think, um, the times that things don't work out as well in my process are when I forget to take a moment to really decide to write. And I just kind of hope that I'll end up writing just by the (laughs) act of opening up my laptop, you know, which doesn't always work out or sometimes it does, but like, you're still in a weird space about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't subscribe, personally, I don't subscribe to the notion of, like, you have to turn off the internet and to shut down everything and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I respect that. You know, it's just, that's not me. You know what I mean? Like, I actually do really well jumping back and forth um, between social media and, and whatever I'm working on, provided that I've already, like, sat down with the intention to write. Right. And that, that does matter a lot. You know, that's a nuance, but it's one that really matters, right? So, again, if I just kind of sit down, I'm like, well, I'm going to do some things, get some writing done, check some email, then, like... Like I said, I'll probably get it all done, but it'll take a lot longer and I'll, I'll feel kind of a way about it because I'm like, should I be writing? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Like, it's really so much about intentionality, you know? So if I sit down, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do some writing, open up that doc, 
jump right in. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I kind of get into my groove, jump on the Twitter, cause some trouble, answer some emails, <laughs> you know, come back to the manuscript. So knowing that I can jump back over to Twitter in another 15 or 20 minutes and have some interesting responses, you know what I mean? And, and right. for me, that actually, like having a divided focus over a longer period of time allows me to sit for a longer period of time. Right, um, right. And, and that's just the way my brain works, you know. So, but beyond that, I like to, um, again, with the intentionality piece, um, I do really try to, you know, make a good cup of coffee, uh, put on some music I like, um, and just really sit for a minute before I start writing. Not checking yeah. my email, not doing that other, other, that other bullshit, just really sitting and chilling and right, listening right. to music, you know, and that type of thing. Um, and that I find really grounds me, it centers me. And then the last thing I do, uh, not all the time by any means, but regularly, is uh, just jot some things down in like a journal, like just mm -hmm. a separate doc on the computer. And it's not, it's really not anything juicy or interesting at all. It's very much like, well, juicy for us writers, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's no intimate details about my life. It's really just like, all right, today, here's how I feel, here's what I'm getting into, here's what I'm thinking about with plot, here's what I think is going to work, here's what doesn't work, here's what's annoying to me. Just right, get that right. shit off my chest. And it really does like multiple benefit. It has multiple benefits. It, it gets me deeper in touch with my own writing process. Mm -hmm. It warms me up to, to the actual physical act of writing. So when I jump onto the manuscript, I'm already kind of in that zone of like clackety clack. And, um, you know, I think it's just really good to check in. Like, it's just really important to check in and like, and, like be have an honest conversation with yourself about whatever it is you're, you're dealing with. And you can kind of chart your progress, chart your process, all that stuff. It's like really fundamental. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, honestly, on, on this podcast, it's funny you mentioned intention. I talk so much about intention on this podcast. Uh, other writers have come on and talk about intention. And I think it's a key point. Like, you, you know, I, I think if I think if you say, all right, in 2021, I'm gonna write a book. And, and, and you know, and you kind of just say, oh, it's, it's going to be done by the end of 2021. But there's like no more specific intention behind it. There's no, you know, there's no, okay, I'm going upstairs right now to sit on a computer and, and type. And you're just like, uh, yeah, I know at some point during this year, I'm going to get it done. That I don't, you know, I think there's a very fat chance it'll ever get done, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so doing that thing where you, where you really, you really sit down and say, okay, this is, this is my time to write. Uh, I think, I think that's important. I, I, I like the ritual of the music and stuff. Do you, do, do, do you do playlists, like a separate playlist? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I have a playlist for different books. Depends on the book, right? Yeah. Um, but also, that's, I'll just find myself one in certain songs. So eventually, I'll just, I'll just end up making a playlist instead of just constantly. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I've honestly more more recently. I just recently started getting more into doing music with writing. I, I did a little bit of music with writing. I did a lot of like movie soundtrack backgrounds and stuff. Stuff without yeah, words. Um, and, and, I, and I still have a lot of those. But I recently started implementing like other other music that have to have lyrics to them. Um, and, I, and I've started being able to to write while focusing. I'll be honest. My my problem before was uh, if I put on any kind of hip hop. I can't right. focus because I'm just vibing no, with the music. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, I just got into for, I was working on a comic strip uh, the past couple, this week, basically. And uh, uh -huh. I couldn't figure out what the music was because it was for a character I haven't really written a lot and uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be Dan the Automator. Have you ever listened to him? No, no. Yeah, it's dope. They, uh, he has a, 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 a album called 2K7 uh, Instrumentals. Cool. Okay. Okay. And uh, it's hot because it's it's like a kind of like a hip hop vibe, but no lyrics. Right. And, right. Uh, just really, it's just don't. Now, yeah. I'm gonna have to write that down. <laughs> it's kind of like, like I really like um, 
dubstep for working out, but it's a little too high octane for yeah. writing. Usually, unless I'm like writing like a really fucked up action scene. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is like right in between like lo-fi and dubstep, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just the right, like, it, it moves, it drives. Mm-hmm. And it's got some oomph, but it's not over the top, like, I do have, I do have a fighting, like a fighting writing playlist. Right. Yeah, like yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like this, like, like starter riot, you know, right. uh, and, you know, like Final Fantasy fight, hip hop remix music, like just all that. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, but that's that's like real. I, but I can only do that when it's like the first draft. You know what I mean? Like if it's the first draft of that writing scene, and I'm just kind of getting out the raw action. It looks all ugly on the paper. Of course, right. I'm gonna go back and fix it on the second draft. But yeah, that's yeah. just to get the energy out. You know what I mean? Right. You know. Um. But but no no yeah yeah. I, I mean I, I we we've talked we talked about music multiple times on the podcast and and you know how how I mean honestly mu- uh, music and and writing they're both they're both forms of art and they have. Uh, they have so much. Uh, the, they have so much in in common as far as like the creative process. So, um, but no, no, I like I like I like that idea. Um, but uh, but but in general, as far as far as writing, like uh, what 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 do you think? Uh, kind of, we'll, we'll do we'll do a two we'll do a two uh, a two part question. <laughs> what what do you what do you think is like the best writing advice that you've ever had? And then. Um, and then what's he, what do you think is like the worst, the one that nobody should? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> my favorite writing advice is, is actually from a poem. Um, it says, Caminante no, no hay camino, se hace camino al andar, which means uh, walker, there is no path. You make mm-hmm. the road without walking, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Antonio Machado wrote that, uh, you know, decades ago. And it's really life advice. Like, it's not specific to writing, but the idea really that, like, you really have to make this path by yourself um, doesn't mean it has to be a lonely endeavor. And that's another, I think, misconception about writing we can talk about, but mm-hmm. it does mean that like no one's done this before. No one's done it the way that you're about to do it. And yeah. I think that's important to remind yourself, whether that's about career, because look, the I would say that the, the best story we're telling as writers is really the story of our own career, our trajectory as a writer, you know, our journey, our writing journey is, mm-hmm. uh, is it, you know. That, that's a story told through the, the decisions we make along the way. And one of the hardest parts about being a writer, a professional writer, is exactly that, those decisions. You know, those really clutch moments, whether it's about like some um, more outward facing thing like the cover or the way that you do PR or the publisher you end up going with, you know, or if it's a more internal behind the scenes thing that nobody ever sees. There are so many decisions that you make as a writer and they matter so much because stories matter so much, you know, like we are all in this field because we know how powerful stories are and that's really what it is. So if I think going with the understanding of, you know, basically you have to have a machete um, in order to to carve your path through the wilderness as a writer, um, Mm -hmm. it can be scary, but it's ultimately a very, I think, validating and affirming notion because what it really means is you're never really lost. You know, you feel lost. But um, at the end of the day, there is no lost when there is no path. Right, <laughs> you just, <right. laughs> you, your job is to take the path. And, and so that's your job as a writer. You know, it's your job in terms of telling the story too. And like figuring out what the story needs to be, what it wants to be, what it should be, what you want it to be, what your reader needs it to be. You know, all those things. Are, are, right. um, it's, it's, the idea is that it's an adventure. Writing is an adventure and it's an epic journey. You know, writing a book. I mean, I was talking earlier about your career, but like really each book itself is the journey of the book. Like the journey of the writer writing the book is a hero's quest. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it changes the writer. You, you have to step up and become a different human, a different writer, a different spirit in order to finish a book. And the book challenges you to become that person, that writer. So right. thinking of it in those terms, like, yeah, you better have a machete. You know what I mean? It's going to be a journey. And that's a good thing. Right. There's a worst yeah. advice. Um, <laughs> well, I always I have a whole essay about this, really. It's, it's uh, you know, the idea that you have to write every single day. Mm-hmm. in order to claim the title of a writer, you know, it's bullshit. Yeah. It's terrible advice. I'm, I'm not against people writing every day, obviously, you know, do you, do you, but um, the idea that that somehow qualifies you to be a writer is garbage um, right. and ultimately very dangerous. You know, I think hidden in that idea is the, is a notion that like, if you stop for a couple of days or God forbid a week, you know, mm-hmm. you're not a writer. <laughs> like or you, or you, you're somehow like failing. You know? And that you should feel shame about that. And I think shame is actually what stops people from writing again and again. Um, it's it's shame. And, and entering into the creative process with some sense of like needing forgiveness or like guilt or whatever. Like we, you might need forgiveness because we carry all this shame around because people keep telling us all this, these lies about what it means to really be a writer. Writers write. That's it. They don't write every single day. I've gone entire years of not writing. Um, you know, during, in the middle of my career. And I didn't stop being a writer in that year. I promise. You know, so I just want people to um, forgive themselves and not take on any more bullshit ideas about what is and isn't a writer. And, uh, you know, just do their best, like work hard. I'm, I'm, I'm very pro working hard and like really like learning craft and like being extremely on on point about stuff and like caring about your work. Um, I don't think that equals writing every single day. The essay is called Writing Begins with Forgiveness. Uh, right. You can find it on Seven Scraps. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, y'all go look that up. <laughs> Writing Begins with Forgiveness. Uh, and honestly, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, your, or your, your take on that is some of the best advice, in my opinion. Um, I, I do think it's also horrible for people to say, hey, you got to write every day because that's just, I mean, we're not machines. We're humans, first of all. <laughs> I got into an argument with this about Walter Mosley, actually, which is, I realized, uh, <laughs> a definite flex. Um, but I was interviewing him and I, and yeah. I knew that he felt that way. Right. So I challenged him on it and I said what I said. And, and he, he basically, I thought it was a super interesting answer. Um, but from his point of view, like your brain enters into a certain like mode, I should mm-hmm. say his brain enters into a certain mode right. um, in the pro- by the process of putting words on, uh, on the same story day after day that break, he breaks out of it when he skips a day. And that's cool. I don't begrudge oh, okay. him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying like my brain doesn't work that way. So don't tell me what to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody works different. Everybody works different. I mean, and that's, that's, I mean, that goes with everything in life. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like yeah, consistency is key. I do, I do believe it's, it's important to be consistent, but everybody's consistency may be a different thing. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it, it, it may be, Hey, I wrote hardcore for this week and now I got to take a week off. You know what I mean? Or or it might be every other day I write or, you know, like you said, or sometimes life just happens. And, you know, I mean, shoot, I just we just had a baby a few months ago. I didn't do oh, nothing. Congratulations. nothing. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, I do nothing creative during that time. I was it was it was all baby. <laughs> That's how it should be. Look, 2019, like I, I didn't write. That's the year I'm talking about. I didn't write. And I knew that. I, I, I knew mm-hmm. going into it. So. I didn't spend, I also, besides not writing, I also didn't spend the year berating myself for not writing. You know, right. I mean, and I was plenty busy. I had books to come out. I had books to edit. I was working on a lot of stuff, but I needed that year. Not necessarily to relax, although I'm very pro relaxation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really needed that year to recalibrate. You know, I was at that moment, I was four years 
into publishing with major publishers um, and coming up on 10 years of my career, nine years of my, like committing myself to writing, you know, and it was, and I'd put out like 12 books. Like it was a time to like, I had to stop, you know, and like just look at it and understand where I had been in order to really calibrate for whatever was coming next. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I I think, honestly, I think that's important. Like, just remembering we're human is important. Shoot, I, I can't even reference the pandemic into this. I mean, I, I know we're spending some time on this, but I think this is like interesting and, and important conversation um, because I mean, part a lot of it is mental health. Like, like it, and mental health is so so important in every aspect of life, um, yeah. and it, it definitely affects your writing, of course, uh, especially given that writing is such a, 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 an intimate, emotional thing. Um, I, I heard a lot of people at the beginning of the pandemic saying things like, "Man, if you don't." earn a whole new skill, a degree, or oh, finish a yes. book or stuff <laughs> during the pandemic, then you then you're messing up. And then I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't think that's that was like terrible. this is a stu- people did that. <laughs> this is too stressful of a time for that, man. <laughs> it's, it's the same people though who like when a, a like a teenager does something incredible, those are the same um people who are like, what were you doing at 16? And I'm like, my fucking <laughs> mushrooms. You know what I mean? I was doing mushrooms at 16. Like, I was being <laughs> I was chilling, man. Like, leave me the exactly. fuck alone. You know what I mean? And now I've written 15 books. So right. who cares? Like, right. <laughs> I started writing professionally. No, I, no. I don't know when I started writing professionally. But I, I committed to writing when I was 29 years old. Mm-hmm. If I had done it when I was 16, I probably would have burnt out and not been a writer. You know what I mean? Like, I just yep. hate that idea. Like, XYZ did you know, ABC at 16, so everybody else has to step up their game. Exactly. No, let teenagers be fucking teenagers. Right, right. Yeah, and it, it, again, it's, it's, it's a mental, it's a mental thing. I don't I don't know how many times I, I've beaten myself up for, for goofing off when I was 20, 21 or whatever. And, right. You know, and then, like, my wife tells me all the time, stop, like, stop doing that. And I mean, I still do it sometimes. I'd be like, man, I should have been doing this back then. No. Like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I got I got to catch myself sometimes, and you know, and and now nowadays, like I I know what it means to take a break. Like I work, I do a lot, I do a lot of things, and and I, but I but I've also like because I've been doing a lot of things, I've been I've been more easily recognizing. Okay, it's break time. <laughs> this is. It's time to just chill. You know, I can, you know, I, let me, let me turn on this PS4 at least once. I mean, I barely ever touched the thing. Yes. <laughs> I barely touch it, but here, here and there. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so, so in general, uh, earlier you, you mentioned when you were talking about uh, the journey uh, to me, I don't uh, correct me if I'm wrong. To me, a lot of the dialogue that you were using there uh, reminded me or, or, or maybe maybe kind of think that you're, you're pretty, are you big, pretty big on plotting stories out? Like as far as like from the beginning, or do you like to like kind of take it as you go? Uh, for, for the first, like literally 15 books of my career, I was really a fly by the seat of my pants, finding what happens while I write type. Right. Um, I obviously care a lot about plot, but I, my, mm-hmm. what I, what I, my main process was to find out the plot as I worked through it on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I really enjoyed because of the chaotic nature of it and just that I would catch myself off guard. And it was really a way to track the emotional journey of the book and be able to really feel it myself as I was writing it. So like, I would just mm-hmm. not know. And I would have a sense, maybe I would have some general sense of stuff and I would kind of aim towards that. And then as I got there, I would start to plot out more, a little more ahead as I went. But 
for the most part, I really enjoyed just being like, ah, we'll find out, you know, like, right. <laughs> um, that's a very make the robot walking approach, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked it and it worked for me. Uh, but more recently, in part because of uh, writing comics, um, yeah. where you really need to just outline meticulously before oh, yeah. you do it, otherwise you just waste your own time extremely. <laughs> um, and and also just to, to the the most recent book just wanted to be written differently, uh, Ballad and Dagger. And mm-hmm. so it called on me to try outlining for real a book, like for real, for real, which I hadn't done really. I'd done it, but not to the, this degree. And I got really into it and I love it. Um, and what, mostly what I learned, which people have told me, but I didn't really believe them, was that there's still a lot of chaos and excitement and surprises involved in the process, even when you outline it. And I mean, I outlined the hell out of it. It wasn't like a loose <laughs> kind of whatever outline. I really went, I did drafts of outlines. I did outlines of chapters. I was like really in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I still was like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, there's still stuff that really like caught me off guard. And, and so I was able to track the, the journey more than mm-hmm. I thought I would have been able to. So now I'm kind of converted. Like I'm kind of into outlining that. Right, right. What, what what do you think your process? Well, you know, in, in in brief, like what do you what do you think your process is as far as as far as outlining? Like, what are the, what are the things that that are important to lay out? Um, and you know, put on a paper. Everybody's going to be different, but um, you know, that's that's usually something that people ask a lot of. What does that what does that outline look like? You know, that's a good question. I don't know how to describe it really. Because um, <laughs> I just sort of always assume everyone's looks the same, but I know they don't. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I I think one thing I did learn about the one time I outlined prior to actually being converted to the cause. Uh, I had to outline last shot because Lucasfilm required an outline. All right, right. Yep. Which is good because I didn't, it would be terrible to just write a book and then find out like, <laughs> that's really not what we were thinking about, Daniel, but try again next time. You know? So I understand the purpose of an outline, especially in that sense with IP. Um, and so writing that, I realized that my thought initially was to write like a very brief one sentence each scene type thing. Okay, Han goes over here, Lando does that. And I couldn't connect to the story that way. So I was having trouble knowing where to move. Um, right. So I have to write it. It has to be bulky enough that I kind of can like see the scene. And yeah. that's kind of what becomes is like a beat by beat. Um, just enough for me to be like, okay, this is what this scene is kind of about. Right. Uh, so it's usually like a paragraph or so for a scene or a couple sentences. They're like, okay, here's where this guy does this and these things are happening or whatever. Enough to get me uh sort of a clear image of it just a one shot image basically like a storyboard right right exactly um, and you know but with words and uh yeah that's what i, I really need to have yeah yeah and I, yeah and honestly that's that's something i hear a lot because i i know a lot of people also like the like the fly by your seat uh the pants approach um but they don't know how to switch over to the other side um you know to to do the to you know to do the hardcore outlining um and then, and then there's also the there's also the question you know that kind of comes up is when when you are doing the fly by your seat of your pants, how do you make sure it still comes out solid? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because it's kind of like, well, I just wrote this thing, but and it, it kind of just came as I went. But is is that is that proper or you know? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but but no, I, I mean, I, honestly, like what you said, what you said earlier about uh, this thing still comes out of the left field even with an outline. Um, I feel like characters, a lot of this, I mean, you have your plot, obviously your, t- your two major pieces, your, your plot and your characters. And then of course you have your theme, uh, tone, et cetera. But um, I feel like a lot of the time you set up this plot, but characters, um, especially after you get to know them, they kind of just drive themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> do you ever have those kind of experiences with, with, with characters? Like, like after a certain point, they just kind of do what they want. 
Uh, yeah, and I also do. Sometimes I rein them in. Like I think um, you gotta. <laughs> sometimes you have to, you know, uh, especially when you're telling a major story across different platforms, like with the High Republic, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't actually get to decide a lot of those characters' fates, right? So, <laughs> you know, you're writing in coordination with a couple other authors, and there's like just so many moving pieces. You kind of get into the uh, get the hang of being like, okay, I thought we were gonna do this, and this character's kind of pulling me this direction. But I got to herd them over here for X, Y, Z reasons that might not even have to do with my story. So right. now I got to justify it in my story math, even though it's about someone else's story. And mm-hmm. that seems like a steep slope, but you do get a little bit used to it, like I said, and you kind of do it enough. And you're like, OK, you just have to make it make make it work, you mm-hmm. know. So and I also just don't think like um, like the, I think we have a, a jaded, uh, incorrect notion of, of a muse just being someone who kind of like gives you. In the idea of inspiration being like a one-way street in terms yeah. of what we like we're just taking dictation and we're just going wherever the story wants i do believe very strongly in listening to the story and being in conversation mm-hmm. with the story but yeah. being in conversation with something is different than just taking dictation in fact it's the opposite right okay. and i think like the really respectful approach to storytelling and to story itself is to treat it like a part it's a partnership um, the story uh wants to go certain places and you go with it and you listen to it and you pay attention. And then there's also things that you want to do and you need to do for you based on what you know about story or based on what other characters are happening and doing in, you know, in the initiative. And that, that's, a, that's the conversation. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly, I think, I, I think sometimes uh, if we, like you said, if we, if we don't rein them in, then uh, we, we may end up in a situation where the plot's not even, what we wanted it to be to begin with right. or the stories that we wanted to be. I mean, and there's probably some instances where that's okay because sometimes yeah. you do discover your story. You do discover oh, yeah. your story as you go. Yeah, um, sure. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I think, I, I really think it's a, a lot of it is about the structure that you set up to begin with. Like, well, what kind of bounds did you put on this thing to have the characters and the plot? Because I, I believe the plot is also kind of a character in its own way too. Mm-hmm. Um, to have the, you know, the characters and plot interact in this way. But uh but in general, like actually, so this, this actually brings me to, to talking a little bit about uh, about Shadow Shaper. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so in, in Shadow Shaper, there's there's very much a there's very much a, a, a like a legend built into this story. You know, um, mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about like how uh, the, the the process of creating like lore or legacy mm-hmm. behind. Uh, you know, uh, or a bigger picture or foundation behind which your which your characters are unwittingly getting into. You know, um, and have you read? All, are we talking about the trilogy right now? Or are you just talking about book one? Oh, the trilogy. I mean, I mean, honestly, well, yeah, I read, I read, I read the entire trilogy. Um, but okay. honestly, yeah, it builds with each one. I mean, and we get yeah. real deep in in three. Right, it does, it does. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, uh, I I also love lore. You know, I think that's one of my favorite parts of fantasy is the idea that they're. That our fantasy worlds have their own fantasies, essentially, you know, including history and mythology and all that. Um, I think that's super interesting, in part because it's a recognition of what we talked about earlier, like how much uh, stories matter and how much our fantasies in this world affect us. So, of course, like other worlds and, and whatnot are going to have theirs. Um, with Shadow Shaper, it was really a question of, of actually in a very in sort of a similar metaphor the one we talk about with the idea of plotting or not is uh, gardening right like george r. r martin's idea that gardener there's gardeners and there's architects and gardeners plant seeds and sort of you know uh, help them grow and architects just 
design everything and plan it out meticulously, whatever. Um, with Laura, I think a lot of my process for Shadow Shaper specifically was with, was a very gardener-based process. Like, I didn't have the whole lore mapped out uh, from the beginning, um, but I knew there was one, and I knew I wanted to. I, didn't, I knew I didn't have to. All I had to do was gesture at it and give a sense that there is this wider world, and that with each book, it got wider and, and also more intricate and also mm -hmm. more developed, right? So in book one, all we really have in terms of lore is like the family history and the notion of shadow shaping as something that came you know, from Puerto Rico and traveled to Brooklyn and then kind of had a complicated uh, political fallout basically with some of its members and kind of um, almost disappeared, right? That's the backstory of shadow shaping and shadow shaper. Um, but there's intonations of like a wider world of spirit stuff going on. There's intonations of whatever the sorrows are. And the sorrows are really what became, and I, and I put them in there very intentionally, the thread to pull to find out more because Mm -hmm. They're actually the only ones still around to talk about it. Um, and that's an ongoing theme of Shadow Shaper is like, what do you do when your history is being told by the people that tried to destroy you? Right, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, it was about kind of digging into that that tension and using the, the, the sorrows to figure out more about the larger world at play and then using, trying to get at it from a different angle with Shadow Shaper Legacy and really get into the history um, which is where you get those lore segments not being told about the sorrows. So, you know, we can really like get deeper into it and live in it instead of just it being like recited to us in dusty old tones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I honestly, like when, when we got, when we really got into the weeds, the way three opened to me, I was like, Oh, we're going in now, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I love those lore sections. I had such a good time writing them. It felt like a whole separate thing also really combined. Right, right. And the whole build, and I want to talk about that a little bit too, like the whole building with um, things that the people are familiar with, like for for example, uh, or at least loosely familiar with, or or, or, an, or an interpretation of, like what we built with death. Yeah. To me, that was like a big deal because now you're using a concept that people are, that people right. have some familiarity with, but then you use it in a, in a creative way and an approach that hasn't been used before. Uh I, I oh was the I can't remember the name of the sister that, that spoke to death. Um, oh, that became you the that. first uh, Lucera. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, Sebilin. 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 Yeah, there there we go there we go yeah, yeah. so like th th those first conversations and how that was built out. I love seeing how that kind of stuff gets worked out. And, and even even if it wasn't like you hadn't like intention like had that intention like from the first book or whatever like the right. way it was built out in that regardless made it feel like it was you know what I mean it, it really. Right. You know, uh, so so what's kind of like I, I I guess again still still in that in that in that same general area. Um, what what do you what do you, what do you think is is a good well, well I guess I guess you could apply it to any story. Uh, with applying that idea of relating relating to something that people know, but, but taking your own approach. Um, in your opinion, you know, this is, obviously it's like everybody's gonna have a different way to do it, but in your opinion, yeah, of course. Um, no, it's really interesting. Um. Well, I think some of it, it's sort of about being playful with the idea of counter narrative, but not locked into it and not overly kind of ruled by it. So, you know, so much of Shadow Shaper is about a counter narrative. And the, the seed of it is really actually in being a counter narrative to Harry Potter, you know, where way, way back in 2009, when I first came up with Shadow Shaper, it was like just, it was born from a disappointment and a love of like the Harry Potter world, you know, being like, it's so cool, but it's still a white dude 
you know, saving the world. Like, <laughs> color regulated through like side, barely, you know, side cameo appearances, if that. Um, right, right. And that really just like annoyed me to my soul. I don't know if annoyed is even the right word. I was just like, are we still here? Because I had left the fantasy genre prior to that, you know, years earlier, just out of kind of like, well, y'all aren't talking to me, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I finally came back and it was like 10 years later and I was grown and it was this still like, Hey, we have, have we gotten nowhere? Have we learned nothing? Um, <laughs> it was really like, all right, what if, what if, what if Harry Potter was set in Brooklyn and it was kids of color doing it. And like, if the magic wasn't the same old recycled, you know, European folktales that we keep seeing. Right, over and, over. Right. And, I, and I do come at that. Like, I do think like, look, look uh, JK Rowling's transphobia has obviously changed how all of us look at um, Harry Potter. But at the yep. time, this was, and and looking back, like you can see the roots of like how she could have, you could see like, oh, that, if you were really paying attention, you could see how this person would become like a, a problematic queen of mm-hmm. yep. bold ass takes. Um, there, were, there, were, there, were, there were hints. Yeah, they were there. They were there. There was problems, you know. But also, there was some really cool stuff. Uh, there was really great world building. There was a sense of history. The, the magic was cool. Um, but and it got cooler as we got in. Like I wasn't impressed by the first book at all, um, and I put it down. And then people were still just like wouldn't stop talking about it. And I was like, all right, I guess it gets better. Let me try. And I did get really frustrated <laughs> by the third. And and I love you know some of them. Um, but right. but again, I was annoyed by it. So I tried to take what I liked, and I tried to um, also take what I like about this world and and my people and mm-hmm. my friends and my friends' people. And um, really put it into something different. So it's always been a counter narrative, um, and I think that's that's also carried through the series, right? So mm-hmm. even the idea of shadows as the good guys and the House right. of Light is the bad guys um, is very much like a way of turning on its head this notion of like black magic being bad. Oh yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's really important <laughs> for me. And like, and and the kids are like something else was really important is that the kids are on it. Like they don't have to have and this is, I, look, I think books need to have kids at all different levels of like wokeness and awakeness about the world, you know? So right, exactly. I'm not yeah. saying it should be one way or another. I just know, go, for me, going into Shadow Shaper, like, I didn't want these young people to like have realizations about how anti black the world is. I yeah. want them to know because most of the kids that I know know, like, right. you know, are very aware of it because <laughs> it's on their neck every day. You know what I mean? So right. those are the kids I was writing for because those mm-hmm. are the kids I was working with in, in, in summer programs and stuff like that and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those were all just like parts of the, you know, the whole thing. So bringing in death, like it was very natural by the time we actually got to have death on, on the page. It, like, of course, death is going to be an ally to a group of people that work with spirits, right? Uh, right. Like, even the, the idea of the dead being there to lift us up and support us is a counter narrative. Right, exactly. And that's what that's why it hit me so yeah. hard. When death finally showed up, like yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't I wasn't consciously thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but it's but as soon as death like stepped on the scene, I was like, duh. Oh, <laughs> right. Right. So no, I no, I really, I really I really and that's why that's why it seemed like, you know, again, whether or not it was, it seemed like it was all planned from the beginning because I was like, oh yeah, death, bam. <laughs> you know, right. uh, you know, you talked about um Harry Potter and and what she did and that the setup in that world. And it, and it got me thinking a little bit about uh uh I want to say tropes. And I don't, I don't I don't consider tropes a bad word. I just think it is a term. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to understand. I, I got me thinking about tropes uh, in, in, in the terms of in archetypes. So in, in her story, 
the trope is the uh, the school, you know, of something right. supernatural or mystical. In her case, my magic school. You know right. what I mean? Um, do you, do you have do you think it's uh, a good idea, or do you have any 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 other 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 examples of kinds of tropes? And it, this could be for character or plot setups. Um, uh, other kind of tropes that people can kind of tackle. Like when they're stuck with, oh, I don't have, I don't have a story idea. You know, like there's the, I don't, for example, the, the magic school or a school where your kids are learning something like, a, whether it be a superhero school or a magic school or a whatever school, it, that's, that's one trope. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, obviously there's like, there's like the, the police detective setup in a, in a different, you know, kind of supernatural or not normal situation. But yeah, do, do you have any other ideas for uh, tropes or archetypes that people can tackle? Or do you think it's a good idea to even take it is that too limiting or yeah no i think it's a good idea look i think you got to go with your inspiration you know so if you don't have it it means you got to keep looking basically until something pings you know what i mean right yeah i mean you got to take a break and that's okay too but eventually like if you're just like nosing around through the different genres and worlds and ideas out there like something's gonna hit Mm -hmm. um and that's really what you got to follow whether it seems familiar and you have to put a twist on it to make it unique or yours um, or if it just feels like it's already fresh and brand new from jump, like that's that's sort of for you to figure out as you go. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and honestly, yeah. Honestly, the, the idea of not not writing what you know, but uh, what what hits you hard. I, 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 I talked yeah. to to Brian Edward Hill at one point on this podcast, mm-hmm. and he mentioned uh, the idea of answering. A, well, we were, we were talking about themes specifically, but he 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 mentioned the idea of answering a question um, that is profound to you. Or, or trying to find the meaning uh, of a, of a concept that is that is profound to you, and usually letting that guide your story decisions. And it could be in anything. It could, it could be like, uh, you know, I mean, it could, it could be police brutality. You know what I mean? It could, it could be something like that. If if that thing is hitting you, and, and there's questions that you have about that, or, or feelings you want to express about that, then there's there's a billion avenues that you can go about doing that. In, in in storytelling, um, and the only reason why the only reason why I thought about that is because there was a there was a scene in in, uh, in Shadow Shaper where they get uh, the, I, I can't remember the name of the other is it Iron House I believe the Iron House uh, locks up. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They they, yeah. they lock up some of the Shadow Shaper. Oh man, man, some of those houses had me heated. <laughs> they were so messed up. They were so yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, yeah. I think I I, I think that. Uh, uh, there, there's something there's something profound about about pulling from like what really speaks to you in writing a story. Uh, what I, I guess my question in, in relation to that is uh, not, not just Shadow Shape. It could be anything. It could be Last Shot or or anything that you're working on or in general uh, or or may work on. But uh, what what do you what are, where are some places you think you draw that kind of um, inspiration or energy from? You know, it's an interesting question. I, I feel like because it, it's some you know sometimes it's joy and sometimes it's sorrow, sometimes it's rage. It's the full range of emotions. You know, inspiration doesn't have a direction in terms of emotion. It's going to be all those things. Um, right, right. There's types of anger that leave me speechless, and I, they're not inspiring at all. They're just sad and or depressing or hurtful, mm-hmm. and um, you know, those need to be processed in a particular way. And there's other types of anger that are like, I need to create something in order to really deal with this. And and I think right. one big part of it is kind of knowing the difference. Yeah, um, because if you're creating out of the kind of anger that isn't really good for that, you're just going to run yourself in circles, you know? And 
I'm, I'm, it's not for me to really know what any other artist think. I just sort of learn my own, like, okay, this is, this is one kind of anger. This is one kind of heartache, you know? Um, and then this is another, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you kind of know because it's, it's just like, it's something crawling to get out of you when you need to create based on it. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's, you know, Stephen King, um, there's a lot, I have I love on writing. It is another one of those texts that says to write every day. And there's a couple other. (laughs) Ultimately, I think it's a great book to read if you can discard certain parts of it. But I love that he has this notion of like a story is just one thing and another thing. And it's one of those deceptively simple ideas that's actually really, really complex if you think about it. And, And it's true. And I think sometimes like we need to find the other thing to set the fire to the first thing. And right. You just had the yeah. one thing, and maybe it'll just be kind of scratching at you, is like trying to get your attention, so you hold on to it, and mm-hmm. then you put it away. Sometimes for years, years, uh, and then something else comes along, and you put it in the same box with that other thing, or just in your general file cabinet of things that pique your interest or have some kind of notion of something for you. And the two now the two things are together, and something totally different comes out of them, or just the the tension that they create, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then boom, that's your story. Literally. Yeah. Talking a little about uh, a little bit about legacy like we were before. Um it got me thinking again about sorry, I keep on referencing Shadow Shaver. <laughs> uh yeah, love, love, love the book, love the book. Um, but but it got, it got me thinking about building character, build, building, building a protagonist. And, and and actually not just a protagonist. I don't, I don't want to limit it to that. I don't I don't want to make it that this yeah. question sound like it's just that character. Um uh, or that, or that type of character, because I, I believe, I mean, if you flip the script the right way, the antagonist can can look like the protagonist if you if you were to write from that perspective, depending yeah. on the the story. But uh, but in any case, so Sierra and 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 uh, Sierra Santiago uh, in Shadow Shaper, she becomes uh, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> kind of <laughs> it happens in the first book. <laughs> she she so she becomes Lucetta, right? Uh, and and again, there's all this legacy and lore behind it, like, like we talked about about yeah. before. But um, I guess I guess my question about that is how how you kind of go through the process of of building a character that you know will become something uh, greater than what they what they were. Or not, maybe, I want to say greater because maybe they, maybe they've already always had it. Uh, maybe they learned something or they, or they develop into you know they, they develop into something else. Uh, what's kind of what's kind of your process for for making sure that a character is properly understood, uh, properly fits the role that they're in, and then of course progresses to either learning or becoming something else by the end of the story. Sure, yeah, and I think that's why, like with characters, it's important to really just fundamentally think in terms of arcs you know like you can't think um statically about characters but a lot of the kind of going advice or like way we process or talk about characters is very static it's like Mm -hmm. oh this is this and that and the other it's like no because really i mean that's important like who they are at their core obviously is important but obviously Mm -hmm. also uh, hopefully obviously like you know the way they change is just as important uh, in fact if not more important because that's what the book is about uh, specifically with the protagonists, especially the book is about what changes inside of them and how they um, are able to finally do what they what needed to be done. Um, mm-hmm. That's an everyday thing or a fantastical thing or both, ideally. Um, right. That's really what the book's about. So that's the most important thing you need to know about your character. Um, and you can formulate it however you want. I, I, I know editors who will use the first sentence and the last sentence of a book to chart the arc. You know, I yeah. think it can be thought of as like, what does the character want at the beginning versus what they got at the end? 
there's a lot of ways to look at it and, and it's important to play with all of them or play with different ones and just try different things and see what gets you there. Um, but at the end of the day, it is very much, you're just asking yourself like, where do they end up and mm -hmm. what do they need to do to get there? That's the bulk of the book. Right. And where did they start? And what is the most compelling, um, almost opposite or thing they don't have to start out with that they can then get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what it was I, I read. Um, uh... I, mean, I, I can't remember what it was. I don't, it could have been a, a short podcast episode or something like that of a writing podcast or something. But I, they, they talked about the concept of a, the charge, like the positive and the negative charge. And whether that be for a character uh, at the beginning of the book versus the end of the book, or sometimes they, they talk about the charge between uh, scenes, you know, the way, you know, uh, the characters may enter a scene one way and then leave the scene another way. So, so for example, characters may enter a scene um, happy, talking about, what they're going to do for the day or whatever. And then by the end of the scene, they're arguing about some conflict that's, that's risen, you know, and, and then, you know, you just like little decisions that are made in between these scenes. And then there's like the, but, the, but this charge breaks at all levels of the book, but down from the scene level to the arc level up to the, to the big story level. And then you've, so, so you've got a character who uh, is thinking one way at the beginning of the book. And then by the end, they're profound, they're either profoundly different or they believe, or they, or they've learned something profoundly different um that's a story by robert mckee there we go there we go so um yeah i've i've gone through so many doggone writing books I can't oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah th thanks on that um yeah. but but yeah but yeah i mean that that stuck with me though like that particular yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I can't remember the book it came from but that but that concept yeah, stuck yeah, with yeah. me no i think about that a lot. yeah reverse yeah yeah exactly exactly and then, and then you mentioned you mentioned the idea of you know what the character wants and then I don't know if you said what they need, but but kind of like the the, the concept of what they actually end up with by right. the end of the story. Like character goes, okay, I'm doing everything in my power to get this thing, but then what they actually end up, uh, either what they want changes, or they realize what they need, or maybe they don't right. realize it, and the, and the plot delivers them what they need, and then they realize. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally, and, and and it's true to that point. It's like there is a micro and a macro level to all of this, to everything in story. But particularly mm -hmm. the idea of reversals, I think that's why, like, um, you know, the, there's like this whole conversation about uh, anime fights that go on for like three episodes, <laughs> and um, three, like thirty. And you still feel like I can't believe I'm gonna watch another episode of this fight. But like when they do it right, it really works. Like it doesn't feel like forty episodes. It feels like one long. You're just involved, and the reason right. that, um, they work so well, I think, is because of reversals. Because things are constantly in motion, and yeah. you really don't. You know, characters are hiding things up their sleeves. They're having realizations. They're going into backstory. Like all of the elements of story are at play in the midst of this fight. It's not just two dudes smashing right. each other over and over. <laughs> Outwardly, it can look like that. And that might be what's actually happening, but because yeah. there's an interiority to the characters, because there's you know mythos playing out, because there's different powers, because they're concealing things, and we're privy to those thoughts. And again, right. there's history being shown, like all of those come into play and it works. It's all in the service of moving the story forward. Even mm -hmm. if we were actually in, physical, in the physical realm, only like inching forward, punch by punch right right and you know another another funny thing i, I that i've i've uh, I, I had an epiphany about with anime is uh is i was i was uh, a few months ago I, was, I finished up naruto the first you know naruto's like a bajillion episodes right. um, um but I, I finished it up fine like, I, I, I like naruto but um as i was watching it, i remember at one point compl complaining about oh man these 
you know, all the flashbacks and all the these fights take forever. But then as I was as I was like catching up and like binge watching it, mm-hmm. I realized that, huh, um, the reason why I keep seeing some of these, these same flashbacks is because they just talked about like it, it may have seemed like I did, they just talked about it to me because I'm binge watching it. But like this is actually like 20 episodes ago where they talked about uh, this yeah. thing and they, and they got a <laughs> they, they got a flash yeah that's real yeah they got they got to remind you what was going on you know just just in case it was like because well actually what the, the real epiphany was that I hadn't, I hadn't watched Naruto for like five years and right. when I came back to it I was like I, I kind of remember what was going on but not really so yeah. like the flashbacks kind of helped bring me back into it but no you're right like the, like. Uh, thing I noticed about their flashbacks uh, is is that, and not just that anime, but a lot a lot of animes is that they they really want you to fail these characters. Like mm-hmm. they 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 make sure to remind you, oh, they're not just fighting because he doesn't like this guy. Right. They're fighting because because of all the hurt and the pain and back in the day, right. you know, his brother left him and you know whatever whatever happened, you know. <laughs> uh, and and I, and I think that's a powerful story storytelling uh, storytelling tool. That, that's what that's why I like the concept of. I mean, you did it in 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 book three. Shadows. You did it in the last shot as well. Um, but I like I like the idea of as you're telling the story, having little flashbacks that kind of create context right. for um, you know for uh, for the, the story that is going on in the in the in the current. So actually, I really liked it in last shot. And then I think about it. I mean, we get a. We, I mean, like honestly, that's like probably the best telling, in my opinion, of La- uh, hand and Lon- uh, or uh, hand and Lando's story. <laughs> so that, that that was that was some good stuff right there. Um, we we even saw a little like uh, baby Ben in there, and like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. goes deep. Yeah, yeah. It's, there, there, there's some there's some good stuff there, but um, but yeah, um, <clears throat> we're gonna get, get ready to wrap it up uh pretty soon here. Since we're thinking about that in general, do you, do you have any thoughts on, on on the way that people could use uh, uh, foreshadowing? I'm genuinely trying to think of when I when I foreshadow, and I can't. Um, I don't think it's a technique I use very much. I know as soon as we finish, I'm going to remember one. Right, right. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe, like even again, Shadow Shaper. We were, we were talking about death yeah. and, the, and the concept, and, and you know, death coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or not, well, again, it wasn't out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like it was. Right. Like it seems out of nowhere, but then, like, when as soon as it hit, I was just like, "Dang, that's I should have you know, known." You know, I'm <laughs> a because I only recently started knowing what's actually going to happen next. So, right, right. It's different when you're like literally flying just without any concept of what's ahead, or you, you know, I have some concept. It's not like I have no idea. Right. No, no, I got you. It's because uh, so you're constantly putting pieces in place. You're just not sure how you're going to use them all the time, right? Um, right. So it's it's Less foreshadow, more just like, again, planted seeds where you're like, all right, I know I'm going to need a wider world. So let me get in some bad guys that can have some history with this kind of art form. And, you know, I know I'm going to need some uh, kind of chaotic neutral players. So that's where the Hierophants came from, right? Like, so it's knowing like down the road, I'm going to need this to have some complex power dynamics going on. Um, So Mm -hmm. let me set the, let me set the framework for that now so that I can draw from it. So it's more like, thinking in terms of that. Oh, that's an interesting concept, though. I mean, that's I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, like the yeah. perspective of like, OK, we, we need we need these elements. So right. putting these elements in there and, and that can feel like, you know, foreshadowing, but really it's just setting up the board. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, and I really like I really like the yeah, I, I love I, the concept of the higher friends were, were, were dope. Uh, was- the deck of worlds was you know, I, I want I want like a deck of worlds. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, <laughs> sure, sure, totally. Yeah, I, that was I think Shadow 
Sure. Shadow House Fall, for whatever reason, even though Shadow Shaper Legacy is the more complex book plot wise, because it has like mm-hmm. three POVs plus lore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Shadow Shadow House Fall was very complex to like figure out as I went. Uh, for some mm-hmm. reason, more so. I don't know why, but I remember just being like, I can't believe I'm doing this. There were so many moving pieces in that book. <laughs> I didn't, I really, I think I had less of a notion of how it was going to play out. So I was even more like in the dark mm-hmm. as I moved through it. And you know what it is? I know what it is. It's the magic system. I, I went into it knowing I wanted this deck of worlds. Right. And the, right. the idea of having kind of a, a cursed tarot deck actually went way back to the first book. I just didn't have room for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I knew I wanted to bring that in and I knew I wanted to use it to widen the world and and, and introduce the idea of like rival houses. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know the rules of the, of the deck itself. And they're very right. complex rules. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I had to figure out as I wrote the book, but I was also doing it. I was trying to let the plot determine the rules because um, you yeah. kind of have to. Like, I didn't want to come up with a bunch of cool rules just because they were cool and then realize right. the plot didn't support that. So I was trying to make the plot and the rules happen essentially simultaneously. Yeah. That's why it's so complex. So by book three, all that was laid out. You know, so then mm-hmm. it was just a question of like, okay, I have the rules. They're established. They're not changing. They're in print. So now how do I just build a story around, you know, how do we move forward with this story with the rules that have already been established? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so sometimes, basically, uh, I mean, the way what I took from it is, is sometimes it's less foreshadowing and just and just getting these concepts concrete. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just getting these elements, uh, you know, concepts, story elements, concrete. Yeah, I, I like I like that. I mean, that's honestly that's it's different from the way I think about. It. And, and honestly, I think I think jotting those notes down myself will will probably give me another way to approach it because I because I'm all about. Um, Oh well, I know I gotta know what's going on down the line so I can prepare for it here. But right. but maybe it doesn't have to be quite like that every time, depending on the writing style. You know, that's something it to think really about. Depends. It depends on the book. It depends on the project. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, yeah. So <clears throat> this. Let's go ahead and uh, get ready to wrap this thing up. But before we go, uh, if there's anything you want to say to um, any writers, uh, aspiring or or early or, or or anything like that, any kind of closing thoughts for writers out there? It's it's it comes back to the make the robot walking piece for me. Um, that's always where I you know I find my grounding in in my own process, and I think it's important, especially for newer writers, uh, but really you know still for us old writers. Mm-hmm. Um, to to come back to the notion that you are you are exploring new territory, um, you're telling new stories, even if they even they're always going to have elements of the past. That doesn't make them tired, you know. It doesn't make them already told. Like you're bringing yeah. your take to it, and that's important. You're telling your story, even it's you know, even if it's through magical, fantastical elements. Um, yeah. And so do that, you know, don't, don't, don't like shame yourself out of the game before you've even started. Like you've got to right. get those words down in order to make them into, to sculpt them into the story that you're trying to tell. So like, you know, sit down and write, practice self-care, step away when you need to um, tell the stories you need to tell. Don't be afraid to put a project aside and, and pick up a different one because the other piece is like, if you're not on deadline, like that's a luxury and you should take advantage of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I understand, like you want to be on deadline because it means you someone's paying you, right? And that's, that, <laughs> that is cool. Don't get me wrong, but before you're on deadline, there's no reason to pretend you're on deadline. 
um, yeah. which means there's no reason to follow through a project that you're not interested in anymore that you need a break from. Pick up a different project. Like you, the most important thing is that you understand your own process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, journaling, like we talked about helps with that. Um, just being mindful helps with that. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to help you get out of any kind of writing slump you're going to be in is, is understanding your process. So you'll know, do I need to take a break? Um, do I need to like shift it up somehow? Do I need to try a different approach? Like those are all questions that you will be able to know to ask and then actually have answers for just, just based on the fact that you've been um, able to be reflective about your own process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, uh, again, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, yeah. Like th- th- this, this podcast is, I mean, it's helpful for me and honestly, writers of all levels, like, like yeah. I said, like, I, like I always say at the beginning of the podcast, I consider myself, I mean, I've been writing for a while, but I also consider myself very early in my writing career. I think there's a long way to go. Um, so I, I like th- th- this concept of, of bringing, uh, other writers on like, like yourself, or, um, I just had Charles Soule on Alex, Alex Aguirre a couple oh, of days cool. ago. Oh, um, uh, you know, Justina Ireland was, was uh, her episode released a couple of episodes back, you know, I just having these other writers who've, who, who are like a little further down the road. And, and, and it's not to say it's, it's, it's not to say that, you know, other people who are listening to it, who may also be published, won't get anything from it. I, I just think that, that having a, a, a uh, kind of seeing the journey, kind of seeing the road, you know, uh, is helpful. And that's, and that's what I like to do in this podcast. Like I, I've gotten great feedback as far as like people coming on and talking about this stuff. And yeah. I know people are going to find value from this. So definitely appreciate you coming on and, um, you know, discussing your process and, and you know some some of your uh, your ideologies about writing. We talked we talked a whole lot about you know kind of the, the right mindset to be in. Um, and, and and honestly, self self care is so important. Uh, Absolutely, when it comes to writing. Yeah, yeah. So let uh, let people know where they can find you at uh, online, where they can find your books. Um, sure. Uh, anything you're working on right now? Um, yeah. So let's see. Let me start uh, with social media. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at DJ Older. That's uh, as you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty active on there. <laughs> um, Instagram is, is um, at Daniel Jose One. Uh, TikTok is at Daniel Jose Older. Oh, got the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I'm really enjoying it over there. And TikTok, yeah. I will say, is uh, TikTok is my most age appropriate uh, social media. Just by which I mean, I don't swear on that. That's the only right. <laughs> I, I got you. That's where the kids are, man. I'm not trying to traumatize their kids. Um, right. But but on my Twitter and on my well, really just on my Twitter, I curse all the time. Um, but uh, yes, so that's yeah, that's the main thing um, in terms of social media. The the Star Wars: The High Republic Adventures um, is a monthly comic book that I write. That I, I'm just having a blast on that. Man. It's so great. Harvey Tully Bow is the artist. Rebecca Nancy does the colors. Uh, that you, so you can get that every month at any comic book store. You can get it um, if you use Comicsology or whatever online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, easily findable. It comes out every month. We're, we're about to get to issue number three, so we're you know still right at the beginning, which is super cool. Nice. nice. Uh, the most recent book is Flood City. There's a middle grade that came out in February from Scholastic, a sci-fi adventure, very Star Warsy vibe, but it's set mm-hmm. in this world, but in the future. Uh, kind of an ecological disaster apocalypse adventure story. Um, yeah. And then uh, coming up, uh, I have a Star Wars middle grade coming out um, in June nice. called Race to Crash Point Tower. Kind of the same vibe as Flood City, you know, Star Wars kids fighting. Mm-hmm. It's cool stuff. Um, but then in uh, May of next year, 
um, I'm jumping back into the young adult fiction space uh, with Ballad and Dagger, which is book one of the Outlaw Saints series. Comes yeah. out from Rick Riordan Presents. Very excited about it. It's urban fantasy. Um, some similar vibes to Shadow Shaper, but uh, more in the mythological space. Um, so th- there are ghosts, actually, of course, in it. Right, 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 right yeah. But there's also creatures, and it gets a lot into culture and lore, um, in, in, especially in terms of Caribbean history. And uh, he's from an island, the main character's from an island that is that sunk into the ocean like a year after he was born. And oh. he's part of this diaspora in Brooklyn of folks who don't have an actual home anymore in terms mm. of where they're from, but have carried all their myths you know, with them to Brooklyn and those myths. See, that, that's, the, that's the Lord legacy I'm talking about. Lord you know? legacy, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, like group of gangsters that their main like, kind of like underground activity is basically trafficking in lore. And, right, uh, right. It's cool. So there's a lot. The island also was like home to pirates, Sephardic Jews, and Santeros, and they all just all their stories kind of mingled and created a new culture. Right. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really exciting. I'm really excited about the book. Um, it's it's a dream to work with Rick Riordan, obviously, and like it's 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 just like a really cool series. So that's that's coming up May of uh, 2022. Word, word. Yeah, a lot of stuff on the way. A lot of stuff on the way. And yeah, and also got before we before we get here, got gotta appreciate you for for again doing doing work for the culture. And, and what I mean by that is just like you said, there's a lot of Harry Potters out there. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of there's a lot of the the same the same old. And like I I, I need something different. You know what I mean? And and, and you're out here making it. So um, yeah, def- we definitely appreciate that. And again, I don't know if you remember, I met you briefly at, at Star Wars Star Wars Celebration. Um, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. after yeah, Star Wars celebration. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty dope to see the books that are now coming out of that, you know, because we didn't. That was when we first announced that we existed. The right, exactly, exactly. It wasn't even called High Republic yet. It was just like Project Luminous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's 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 pretty that's pretty cool. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, everyone, you guys all know you can find me at uh, fourthwall.net. That's i v w a l l dot net. Uh, or the Beyond the Fourth Wall podcast available on all major podcast networks, including i radio spotify google itunes etc so just google it you'll you'll find it just make sure to put the i v w a l l um and yeah that's that's really all the time we've got uh thanks for coming on my pleasure thanks for having me it was great talking to you yeah absolutely peace